Hey everybody, before we get started, I have some great news to announce to you. We have a new partner with the show. We are now partnering with Stanley Customs. You find them on Instagram. Stanley Customs makes these amazing athletic figurines. They are so awesome. You need to check them out on Instagram, Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off any of your orders with Stanley Customs and If you're an athlete or any guest who interviews with the show, we have an even better discount for you. So if you're thinking, I'm interested in the show, I have some stories to tell, maybe I'll join. Also, maybe I want one of these Stanley Custom figurines. Now's your time. Shoot us a message, be a guest on the show, and get an even better discount with Stanley Custom. So go and check them out on Instagram, Stanley underscore Customs, and check out what these guys have done. It is awesome. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Globally Ballin Podcast, a product of the Globally Ballin Podcast Network. We have a fantastic interview for you today, so sit back and enjoy, and thank you all for joining us one more time. Here's the music, I gotta let you go. Finish the game with a broken hand. Yeah, finish the game with... I'm Rio, the silver medalist, and Asian... Games 2018 gold medalist. Young man, how do you use a celebrity for good? You know, uh, up until that point, most of us as, as athletes were taught on it, use a celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, to get whatever it is. We're hours away from kind of the near hospital. He ended up losing his leg over. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint um, and one of them was just like, yeah, get me out. At the same time, there are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough. Don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league, your country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. This week's episode is with Zach Melcher. Zach Melcher is a professional volleyball player who got his start in high school and then played some in college and then eventually found his way playing professional volleyball out in the Czech Republic. We've done professional volleyball before and we should have some more coming up soon, but this is going to be the first time we've talked men's professional volleyball. Professional volleyball is already fairly foreign in the United States and we're going to talk about that with Zach at least where it's not foreign. It's regional, certainly, taking most of its popularity actually in professional beach volleyball or at least beach tournaments as Zach's going to talk talk about and that's that's definitely regional. And so a lot of times if we're in areas of the United States that aren't aware of it, we miss the fact that volleyball is actually very popular around the world. Early on, we did um, some interviews, certainly in the Philippines, but we've done some other ones talking about volleyball. And volleyball, like I just said, it's a popular sport in different areas of the country. Zach's going to give you a good look and where some of those top tier leagues are. He 
would be the first one to tell you he wasn't in the top tier league. He was able to do a little bit of shopping as far as what league he was going to be in. But uh, some of those top tier leagues, the Brazil, that's just the first one that comes to mind. There's plenty of them Zach's going to talk about. They can bring in a very good chunk of change as far as a professional athlete goes. So being in the United States, we definitely have, we're pretty open to a lot of sports. And a lot of sports do get spotlight here. But there are a couple that aren't quite as popular for whatever that reason is. And it's foolish of us to think that that means it's not popular. Volleyball is a great example of that. There are professional opportunities for you to play volleyball if you're good at it, both men and women, certainly both men and women, all over the world. And getting paid very good amount, depending on where you play, even if it's a lower tier decent amount and so if you're into volleyball but you're like oh there's no opportunities this one's for you especially you men like i said we've, we've had ones with women and we'll have more episodes with professional volleyball player who are women but this one is for the men uh, specifically and so men if you've ever been interested in volleyball or thought about it or just want to learn about some of those or volleyball as far as the opportunities that are, that are out there to play professionally this is your episode one thing that is awesome about playing international to begin with is the fact that you're in and of itself you're traveling you're getting the chance to see a different part of the world and, and zach talks about that he also mentions the fact that because of certain setups where you play you it's possible that you actually have some extra time or finances or both uh to be able to travel in throughout where you are europe is notorious for being depending on what part of europe fairly easy to travel through a lot of those countries open borders and so you can hop on a train and go from country to country fairly easily and from what i'm told fairly inexpensively and so zach's going to talk about that he has a i believe it's a coach thinking back on it now talking about his experiences traveling to different countries every weekend and so this is one of those things that is awesome about playing international but specifically in zach's case it sounds like through his situation or through maybe the situation of a professional volleyball player in general you might get that opportunity who knows maybe it's the way they're set up for practice maybe it's just zach's you'd have to be the judge of that or we can ask zach later on but that's something to keep in mind so that's really cool uh, anyway so we're going to move forward with our interview here with Zach Melcher, professional volleyball player, played in the Czech Republic. Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by an additional sponsor. We are now also brought to you by Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, right outside of Dallas. You may remember we've had an episode in the past with the founders of Creating Young Minds, Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to help young men achieve success in their life where they may not have otherwise achieved that success. One way they do this is through their new basketball team. The Louisville Yellow Jackets, affiliated with Creating Young Minds, play in TBL, the Basketball League, and through a combination of their nonprofit as well as their basketball team, Creating Young Minds and the Louisville Yellow Jackets are doing their best to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. That is Creating Young Minds. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, basically everywhere. Find creating young minds check them out see what they're all about and when the tbl league rolls around once again keep an eye out for the lewisville yellow jackets thank you hello hi zach how are you i'm good how are you good this is aaron how you doing good so i don't know if i kind of explain what we do but it, it's a podcast and we do what we do is we interview people who have played and do play sports around the world, different leagues typically. And so I think you would agree that 
uh, professional men's volleyball is not very well known in the yes. in the common eye. So a story like that from you will be pretty valuable. So um, we've done interviews with athletes, uh, coaches, agents, everything basically to help explain the opportunities that are around the world in different sports. So you're gonna your story is gonna be perfect. You're actually gonna be our first male um, international volleyball player. We've had women. Um, you're gonna be the first man. So start off and introduce by saying your name and what you do. Yeah, my name is Zach Melcher. I play professional volleyball uh, over in Europe, and I just finished my first season in the Czech Republic. Okay, Zach, where did volleyball really start for you? Well, I think every volleyball player kind of grows up with the same story, like playing keep the balloon off the ground as a child. And then it wasn't until about high school where I really kind of fell in love with volleyball. Like I was like a football player my whole life and I was looking for something to do in the off season just to stay in shape and whatnot. And the volleyball coach at my high school was like, hey, like you're tall, why don't you try out for the volleyball team? And I played a little bit in junior high just for fun, but he told me like I had a good chance of being on the varsity team as a sophomore. So I, I went for it and then started playing club. And from there I just took off and just loved it okay so there's a couple questions we had to ask right off the bat because again we're talking about a sport and situation that's not as common at least uh, to some of the other ones we've done like basketball so first of all what region were you going to high school in because where i where i went to school out in michigan there was no men's volleyball yeah so i went to high school in arizona and it's pretty popular here i mean it's definitely not one of your top sports you know like it basketball, baseball, football, but it's definitely popular because it is so close to California and California is the hotbed for men's volleyball. Okay. So because we are so close, uh, I think that's probably why my region had more access to it. And there's definitely a lot of girls teams here. So they kind of just made boys programs and kind of grew the sport from there. Okay. Is it, what is more popular in the high school setting? Still women's volleyball or do, is the men's volleyball more popular? Uh, women's definitely going to be more popular. Okay. Uh, another question is what is your, what's your build? I mean, I know we look for when we talk to football and basketball players, but for a men's volleyball player, what's your build? So, I mean, I'm 6'5", about 215, but I'd say I'm on the average to, if not shorter end. I play setter, so I mean, I don't really need to be particularly that tall or jump that high, but I know like typical build is usually like, I'd say around six, seven. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you start playing, you play varsity and everything. And you, when you go to college, did you go to college for volleyball? Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities for men's volleyball players in college because the, they don't, each division one team or division two because they had to combine the uh, the two divisions to be able to make a championship sports like uh for the ncaa championship series you're only allowed four and a half scholarships if the program is actually fully funded and then so most players only get certain percentages but okay. i love volleyball and i figured i'd have a better chance playing for a bigger division one program playing volleyball than i would with any other sport that i was playing while growing up so yeah i i really wanted to play sports in college so i looked into volleyball and that's where i got uh that's where i found my footing to go to college so where did you go so i spent my first two years at california baptist university okay and they're a, a division two team but they played in the mpsf which had teams at the time, it was like UCLA, USC, Hawaii, BYU, Stanford, Long Beach. That was kind of the conference because the MPSF, my first two years, was a big powerhouse 
conference with all the top teams in the nation playing in it. And then they were going to cut our men's program at CBU. So I had to look for a new opportunity to go play, but I still wanted to play uh, volleyball. And luckily, Grand Canyon University in my home state of Arizona has a Division One program. And they were looking to move into the MPSF since they were playing in the Midwest Conference. So I uh, I knew the head coach. So I told him, hey, I, I'm looking for a new team and a new opportunity to play. I know GCU has a great sports management program, which is the degree I want to graduate with. Could I find a spot on your roster? And he knew me from growing up. So he said, yeah, you're welcome to come to the program. So then I spent my last two years at Grand Canyon. Okay, so you wrapped up your last two years in Grand Canyon. At what point did you realize or did you know about the opportunities to play? Well, actually, before we even knew that, well, actually, no, let's do that. So at what point did you realize the opportunities that were overseas for potentially for you yeah i mean i think i kind of found out about uh, overseas like when i first started playing in high school because one of our assistant coaches played in a for like a really small team in germany but he always talked really highly of getting to play overseas so that was kind of my first experience with seeing a pro talking to a pro and kind of hearing about the pro volleyball lifestyle because because there are no like professional volleyball leagues here like no, like unless you're like really going out and actively like looking you don't really find out that there's professional teams over there in Europe mm. unless you're like actively searching so sure. I had I had exposure to that which I think was like helped me out a lot because I was able to grow up and like I went and found all the games and stuff I could watch foreign teams play and I got like really like involved in like the club and the professional level over in Europe so I kind of always had that aspiration to be able to go and play pro so I've always been kind of just actively searching like how do you do it like do you need an agent and then just like my four years in college uh, I always talked to the seniors and asked if they were going to try and play pro and then Luckily for me, I knew a couple of seniors from each of my classes that would go and try and play. And I'd always be able to like ask them like, hey, how was your experience? What did you learn? What can you tell me for when I want to leave college and go play pro? So. so if they wanted to go play pro or anybody wanted to, is there an option even in the United States or is it you have to go overseas? So that's the thing. They are trying to start it. Like if you want to play volleyball, the only option professionally in the United States is if you want to play outdoor, which is sand volleyball in the AVP like that's your best bet if you want to play that but that's kind of tough because there's only two people on a team and you got to work really hard to make main draw and it's a really competitive field and then if you want to play indoor there's really no options so I had the pleasure of working with Lloyd Ball, who was a former USA guy, and uh, he was like one of the best setters to ever go through the United States uh, national team. And he played overseas for his whole career, and then he wanted to start a league up, which they called the NVA, and then now it's called, they've transitioned that into the VLA, which is the Volleyball League of America. So they're trying to start that up, but that's all just like a bunch of guys who are really passionate about bringing indoor volleyball to the United States, but it's still a really small league. It's kind of a pay to play kind of a thing like we gotta like we got to pay all of our own fees it's not fully funded yet but they're working really hard they've got some really great deals going on with that but it's just not where it needs to be to keep talent or to make it a successful career mm -hmm. so that's why pretty much if you want to play volleyball professionally and to be successful at it you have to go across the pond over to europe and play there okay so now what's kind of nice about the show is that the fact that you just said there was a bunch of things that you had to figure out in order to figure out how to even go and play overseas. The whole reason we have somebody like you on here is so you can break down those steps for our listeners. So what was the exact process you went through to be able to play professionally in Europe? Yeah, totally. That's definitely, I think that's a really important thing because like you said, it's especially for volleyball, it's not always the easiest to figure out how to do that. So your first step is always going to be, you need, you need connections because if you don't 
have a friend who's a coach over on a team in Europe, you're really going to be lost and not be able to like find your way. It's not like they have like a job board where you can post it up. So finding a good FIVB licensed agent is definitely, I think, the first step. A lot of guys talk about how you can kind of, because with agents and with volleyball, most contracts are one to two years at the most. You don't really sign like multi-year deals. Just that's kind of how it goes. It usually goes from season to season. So a lot of guys say like you can kind of field like different agents and stuff and have them all bring contracts to you because they'll get paid their agency based on whatever contract they bring you. But it's definitely better, I think, if you're a very if you're going to be a rookie, just just find one agent that you really like, that you've talked to, that you think has good connections. If you kind of you can look at some of the other players he represents to kind of see where they're at, what uh, like where he landed other players, and it's like he's got a lot of German connects or a lot of Italian connects. Like you go, you sign with that agent, and then he works specifically for you and goes to all of his connections and he'll bring you a contract and then you can sign it and then he'll help you out with everything while you're over there. I think it's important to have an agent, especially one from Europe, because I know like I went, when I went to the Czech Republic, it was important to have like uh, my connect over there because sometimes it's kind of tough. Like my manager for my club didn't speak any English. So if I needed to talk, have somebody talk to my manager for me, uh, especially about some like sensitive things, you don't really want to ask like one of your teammates to do it or like have to talk to your coach about that. It's way easier to just have yourself with an agent who you signed for and you're working for and he's working for you. So just be able to handle all that stuff for you. So, so where, did think, you yeah, find, for, where did you find your agent? There is a list of FIVB registered agents. And if you just, I mean, you could like Google. I remember like my senior year of college, I'd be in class and don't tell my professors this, but I was looking <laughs> up agents. I would just Google, hey, like volleyball. And I'd just go to their agency and I'd see if they're at first. I think the biggest thing is having an FIVB licensed agent because okay. that means they're working for International Volleyball Federation and that like they're usually they're held to really good standards. And it, it just gives the players a little bit more protection because those agents have to go through certain processes that versus just kind of like writing your own contract with an sure. independent agent so definitely if you can just you can go to their data FIVB database and find pretty much every agent who is qualified and is registered in their database and you can just kind of go from there and kind of just see who you like who you don't like and then kind of just go off of that or what I did is I would go out and ask some of my former uh, teammates and stuff who they used as agents and they all would just gonna give me their recommendation of who they liked and who they worked with and whatnot. Okay, all right, so that's where you found yours and then at what point um, after you, so hang on, let me get this process straight. So you get, do you get your agent before there's a job or, cause sometimes what happens is uh, players will get these messages or um, connected with an agent that goes, yeah, I have a job for you, sign with me. Or is it you get your agent first and your agent finds the job after that? It kind of depends on this your situation. Okay. Because if you're an All-American, four-year All-American, just got done winning the national championship, you're going to have probably 15 agents in your Facebook mm. DMs saying, yeah. hey, I want to represent you. I can get you this contract or I have a contract waiting for you. Yeah. And that's not always like the typical thing. I'd say it's more typical for people to sign with an agent and then that agent then takes their profile or their CV and then goes and gives it to all their connections and goes and like basically is kind of like a job recruiter for you over there and going to talking to coaches and managers and saying, hey, I got this American 605, played four years of college, yada, yada, yada. So I think it's more typical to sign with an agent or Sometimes I know I had a few agents that DM'd me and said like, hey, like we had some of these opportunities and that's kind of how you get to know some of those guys. But definitely I think you sign with an agent. I think 80% of the time a player would sign with an agent and then move forward. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, and then so, um, was, so you go and play in the Czech Republic. Is the Czech Republic your first option or were there other ones on the table? How did that work? I had a offer to play in Germany, but it would have been a division two team versus the top division. And I, I'd spoken to my agent and he was like, I think we can find you a starting role in a better league or if not a league of the same skill level. And so I trusted him and we waited and then a couple other deals fell through and then finally they came to me with the Czech Republic deal and the Czech is a really good, really like good league and I they wanted to sign me as their, their starting setter. So it was a great deal and it just worked out really well, especially uh, for a rookie contract. It was, it had everything I wanted it to be. And I think playing is always the biggest thing. So you always want to find a role that you're going to get the experience right away as a rookie. So it, you mentioned the contract, a lot of stuff that you wanted. What were some of those things that you wanted as a player? Definitely looking at like, I think for me, it was always play time. Granted, they don't write that into the contract, but they usually will come to you and be like, hey, like we want to sign you as our starter. So like having that kind of like be their mindset is always my number one thing, because especially when you're young, you want to get experience and you want to get court time and you want to get film so you can continue to progress throughout your career. Some of the other things were just you want to make sure that they're going to give you your housing because uh, you don't want to deal with trying to find an apartment. You sure. want to make sure that they figure out your transportation, figure out groceries, living expenses, stuff like that, that for the most part, when you're a foreign player, especially an American, they do a really good job of, hey, like, we'll get you your apartment set up, we'll get you your, your transportation set up, we'll get you your food stipend if, if they do that. And uh, my agent did a nice job getting me pretty much everything I wanted, which were like those those main necessities. So, Is your agent based in the US? We had that sometimes with basketball where people had never met their agent before. My agent was um, from the Netherlands my first year because I just signed with a new agent. But the agent I was working with when I started my career was he's from the Netherlands. So that was a, a league I was looking at really popularly. They really like signing Americans there and it's a really good starting league. Um, so I signed with his agency, but then he had a connection in the Czech Republic. So that's kind of how he got me there. But yeah, I never met him. I, all of our conversations were through WhatsApp, uh, either yeah. text messages, emails or phone calls. But yeah. So if, if the Netherlands was an example of a good starting spot that you were talking about, what would be the cream of the crop for a male volleyball player? If you really wanted to be the upper echelon, it would be Russian Super League, the Italian A1 League, the Poland, Polish Liga A, or Brazil Super League. Those would probably be like some of the top leagues, I think, where players are making pretty good money, depending. I mean, it always depends on what position you play, but sure. even some of the lower paid guys are still making upwards of 50 to 80,000. And those are like probably bench guys. I know I know there's a guy in Russia who's getting paid just for one year. It was like $900,000 for his My contract. gosh. And how long, yeah, is, so how long is the season requirement? Are those people there all year? So that's the nice thing about volleyball is contracts are usually for a season, which most seasons last about seven to eight months. So realistically, you're only there from about August at the earliest to, through May, pretty much. So then you basically get your summers off. So then that's why I, I came back. So you come back for your summers, basically. And like, yeah, so that's like a 900,000 for an eight wow. month little gig. Granted, it was in Russia. So, I mean, you got to deal with Russian winter. But I mean, yeah, oh, that's true. If someone someone offered me 900,000, I don't care where. Yeah, no, I think I could pass on the, I, I think I could get through the Russian winter with $900,000. Exactly. So what about, what about the lower end? Maybe not you specifically, how much you were bringing in, but what could a entry level volleyball player, if they were going to start at one of the lower leagues, what do you, what do you guess they could bring in? So I'd say probably if you're starting off in a smaller league, 
maybe not as much money. You could see somewhere between five to ten thousand for your contract. But then also you got to know that you're not you're pretty much not paying for any expenses while you are there. I mean, most contracts for a foreign player like an American who are going over, they they'll cover everything that you need while you're there. So I mean, for an eight month gig, you're pocketing anywhere between five to ten thousand. That is um, a really important that, distinction. Yeah. So I think like a lot of people think like, oh, like it's only like a five thousand dollar contract or it's only a ten thousand dollar contract. Like I. That's not worth it, but it's like it's only eight months at the longest, and most teams will give you like play a little playoff bonus of like two thousand dollars, twenty five hundred, and then sometimes they'll give you like I know one of my friends who played in the Netherlands. He uh, they gave him a job like to do oh. also. Like, so he could go. So the company that was the main sponsor of their team sure. said that any player that wanted to also work like a side gig for them. Granted, nice. I think he was like a, like a little like social media marketing guy for them. So it wasn't like a super strenuous job, but it was also another way to supplement that smaller contract. Yeah. But yeah, so there's always those kind of options, I think. And because like you are like not paying any of your expenses while you're out there i mean you are pocketing that money if mm. you come back so i mean like it's a pretty like good gig if you are like me and you come back and you can live in your old uh bedroom with your parents and not pay rent so yeah uh, the thought i've always had about these contracts and i'm a little disappointed i've never asked this before but how do how are taxes affected how do you how does that come into play who taxes you you're the European country you're in or when you get back to the US or both? Yeah, so that's that's a difficult question for sure because I know for me it was I was gonna get my money got taxed in the Czech Republic, but they for the most part your agent usually and the club kind of works out like okay. so if your contract's worth ten thousand dollars, they're gonna you're gonna get ten thousand oh, dollars. Okay, good. So like so say whatever taxes are, if the taxes are this much, they would be paying you whatever the 12 15 whatever it should be and, the, and then that gets taxed so then you still get whatever the number is on your contract okay and then that the confusing thing is when you bring the money back into the u.s like technically i was getting paid cash over there so i mean i had it all i brought my money back because i came back in uh, december and then i came back at the end of the season and so like i was able to bring all my money back as cash and so it's like you don't have to claim it but then it's like you don't want to get in trouble with the irs so then it's kind of like in talking to my, like an accountant about it he kind of basically said you just got to claim it and because it is because you're working for a foreign company and you're paying taxes in a foreign country the tax exceptions are a little bit different and way more lenient over here so i don't think i really got taxed hard okay for my money yeah we're gonna assume at least until someone proves me wrong it's it's quite low if if any at all we'll just we'll leave it at that for now yeah good definitely all right now one other thing is when you when we have leagues for different sports there's always typically some sort of rule about how many foreign players can play what's what was the rule at least in the czech republic as far as foreigners or maybe specifically americans i don't know yeah so it was i believe five foreigners you were allowed i know my team we had three but that was mainly because of they didn't really want to pay because it's way more expensive to bring in foreigners especially oh, yeah, to bring sure. in an american because they have to pay for your visa and then league fees are always they like to especially for american players they like to bump up the prices for them to bring in to pay the league fee for an american to have on your roster okay. so it, yeah but i think for volleyball usually it's going to be around five okay and but five is still 
pretty significant compared to some of the other leagues we've, we've talked with. So um, yeah. now, so if you played in Czech Republic, the other teams you're playing against, are they only in the Czech Republic? Is there like a big Euro league where you may have played your buddy in, in the Netherlands or what? Yeah, so it's kind of similar. I'd say it's similar to like a soccer where you have like, so the Czech league, there's multiple teams throughout the Czech that you play in like the Czech Extra Liga is what they call it. So that's who you play your regular season games. If you were in a CEV team, that means, or you could, so if you were like top four, if you came in fourth or third for the season, you get to play in the CEV Cup the next okay. year. So then that's going to be against all of the other third and fourth place teams from all the other teams around Europe. And then there's Champions League where that's the number one team from like the Czech number one team from Italy, Poland, Netherlands, all they all play in a, a big tournament against each other as well. So that's kind of how the style works for, for that. So I, my team wasn't international team per se so we played pretty much just in the czech extra liga unless we're doing scrimmages which we my my team was really close to the german border so we actually scrimmaged a lot of uh, german teams just just for friendly matches what was what was the fandom like playing professional volleyball over there it's unlike anything over here. I mean, I understand, like, you know, there's some diehard fans are, like that support like their NFL team or whatnot, but, like, over there, it's very, like, just, like, they're full of pride because it's, like, their city's team. And even, like, the national level, like, I think the pride that they have, like, for all of their sports is unlike anything I've ever seen over here. Like, it's... It's awesome. The, the fans are so passionate and they all show up for whatever event it is. I know we had basketball in our gym and it was always packed and volleyball games, they packed it out for us. And even like the youth soccer team, they would get people from just, that would just go and support the, the youth soccer team from our city just because it's like that's their city's team and they want to support the organizations and the teams at every level. And it's awesome. I mean, I've definitely had some crazy fans yelling some stuff at me that my Czech teammates told me weren't the nicest words. but. But uh, it's it's definitely a great environment, home or away, to just play in front of so many passionate fans that just love the sport. So you said you packed it out a couple of times. How many people are we talking at a packed house? So our our arena was relatively small. So I think we probably got maybe a th like fifteen hundred fans in our gym at the most. And how how did that compare to your games at GCU? So GCU was definitely unique because uh, like the, like the student section at GCU was unbelievable. Like the havoc and stuff they've filled our i mean i think we had like 3600 fans or something at one point in one of our games i know gcu my senior year was like i believe the number three school in the nation for student attendance and, and for just overall attendance at games so okay uh playing so the crowds was nothing new this is definitely it's interesting for me at least because it's clearly a regional thing it's not like i don't know men play volleyball but it's just not over here and so it's crazy that you brought in 3600 people to a men's yeah. volleyball game uh, and and that's important because you're we're gonna have listeners that are in the region that are totally unaware of these opportunities and so to have somebody like you speak that there are professional contracts out there in across uh, the ocean here waiting for you so um, yeah so a lot of those areas you were talking were europe and you mentioned brazil so south america mm -hmm. what other high-end regions do you know of that have professional opportunities i know so like korea japan they have really really big leagues that like you get paid crazy amount of money but the thing with like japan like the v uh 
the V League, the Korea League, like all those leagues, they only allow one foreign player on every roster. Mm. So it's like they are usually going to shell out all their money for like the like oh, like top tier Olympians, and they're pay they're paying those guys six figures if not more. So I mean, your main spot, I think, like mainly all your opportunities for if you're not like the best of the best is going to be europe and some teams some uh leagues down in south america are pretty big okay um all right anything else you think any of these young athletes or aspiring volleyball players need to know about their opportunities to play professional volleyball yeah i think you just gotta really stick with it i know it can be discouraging i know for me like i had a bunch of friends that played football and basketball in college and they got the full rides and they got to like do all the fancy stuff in college but i mean volleyball isn't the most glamorous in college and you gotta really work and put your nose to the grindstone but the amount of opportunities i think you have for playing volleyball overseas afterwards is so worth it and even if you don't do it for the money just being over in europe and like you get to live in europe basically expense free i mean i know i got to like go to prague on the weekends and traveling to germany was super cheap and i know plane tickets once you're over there like flying around like i could have flew to france for a 50 dollar uh, airline ticket. Wow. So it's like one, like just doing it for the experience and just to experience the culture that's over there. I mean, I think I tell all of my kids that I coach and even some of the guys that I was with in college who are now asking me like, Hey, should I play pro? Like you should at least try because the thing is with agents for volleyball, at least you don't have to pay them anything and they don't take anything out of like if i got twenty thousand dollar contract handed to me i don't have to pay him anything because he uh, he negotiates his deal with the club so the club would pay him and then i would sign my contract with the club nice. so so realistically it's like just make a highlight tape if you're a senior coming out of college and go find an agent or find a couple people who have connects as agents over there and just be like hey i want to play and see what they find you i mean if they find you something in yugoslavia and you don't really want to go spend eight months of your life in Yugoslavia, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have any obligation to the agent to sign that. You can literally just see if he brings you something. If he brings you a contract in France, it's like that'd be an awesome place to go spend eight months. Like you should just, you should go for it. You should try it because, you know, it's, it's definitely a good story and you might as well do it while your knees still work and you're still young enough to to do it did you ever have any of those opportunities to go check out some of those countries nearby i know you said you went to germany but anything else so i went to germany and i visited austria so i think that was that was pretty much the extent of my traveling around i was one i was the only american on my team and i was one of like the only like english speaking players on my team or like that was like their first language so it was kind of tough being kind of isolated being kind of alone but i had a friend who played in Berlin that I grew up with who played here in Arizona with me and he played at UCLA. So I was able to go see him for like a $30 ticket on the train. I could take that to see him and watch him play and hang out with him on the weekends. So that's kind of what I did. But I know a few of my friends, that's like all they did. I know my assistant coach from college, he, he said every weekend he bought a $50 plane ticket and went to a different place. He went to Italy, France. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's just how kind of he spent his money and his time. And he said it was awesome. So I think I'll, as I move into my second season as a pro, I think I'll be more comfortable to kind of more go out and explore and kind of handle pro life versus just tourist life and be able to manage that and maybe do some more exploring. So the time is definitely there, right? You just got to kind of figure it out. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, especially for most teams, you're maybe having training once or twice a day. 
but especially in your preseason, like your weekends, they usually give you are free. So it's usually like a maybe a morning session on Friday, and then you have Friday night through Sunday all all free. So okay, yeah. So I think there's. I mean, it's basically. I've always told my friends, it's like being a college athlete without any of the schoolwork. <laughs> So it's like you don't got to go to class. You don't got like, so instead of going to class or doing something like that, you can take a bus, you can take a train somewhere and, and go there for the end of the day or something. You know, it's just, you got a lot of free time. How did this sometimes be a blessing, sometimes be a curse? But how, yeah, how was the safety? Did you ever have any sort of issue with that or not really? I mean, I wrote. I felt relatively safe, but I also like to stick to places that were kind of more tourist friendly i know my teammates told me a story granted they like to joke around so i didn't know how realistic this was but they okay. told me not to go to a certain part of town that uh was in my city because i may end up having to walk home with uh nothing but my socks because okay. they like to steal everything from you i okay. guess but for the most part i mean as long as you kind of stick to places that are tourist like tourist friendly like like Prague was a big place for in the Czech Republic that I I love to go and it was nice because they're mainly like a lot of English speaking or they felt comfortable sure. speaking English there and whatnot. So I mean, as long as you kind of listen and do some research on stuff and you you don't kind of just wander into places you don't know much about, I think it's it's super safe and whatnot. Granted, I had this whole thing with COVID happen while oh, I was uh, at the yeah. end of my season, so that was kind of a strange way to end our season. But well, yeah, I, I felt safe regardless. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would never advise just wandering and also even if you're even if your teammates were kidding i don't care i'm not going there not not if that's what you yeah. said might happen i don't care if you're joking i'm gonna stay right here maybe check out some other places i'm more aware of yeah that was my thought it was like there was really nothing over there other than maybe like a little restaurant so it's like that i'm i'd rather just keep all my clothes in my dignity <laughs> versus then try to try that check restaurant over there there's plenty of restaurants near my apartment that i didn't need to go over there i'll let you go in just a second i do want to know if there was anything significant about COVID. i kind of forgot about that was there anything crazy like did your season get cut short was there were you sent home at like a random hour or anything like that yeah so our season we had one regular season game left and then it was going to be playoffs which we were fighting for a position to be in playoffs but then all the COVID stuff kind of hit and the Czech Republic was really I mean they were really forward with all their stuff I remember like about a month before I even like kind of knew what was going on with COVID like I hadn't even heard it pop up yet my teammates are saying that their kids they weren't allowed to go to school anymore they were doing all homeschool stuff and they're getting annoyed because they, they're like why why are my kids at home why? they're annoying me so they didn't know what was going on and then all of a sudden all this stuff kind of hit and then they said okay no no fans at any of the games and that was kind of that was new but i knew they'd started kind of doing that in italy and i was like okay like i guess they're taking this disease a little more serious and that was about the last month okay they kind of started to restrict fans in the games and then turned it into no fans at games and then they announced germany announced that it was closing its borders and like a bunch of places were starting to close borders and Trump had just said that they were going to restrict uh, travel mm -hmm. into the country and they had suspended our league because they're like, okay, well, with all this going on, I think we should suspend the league and maybe play games later in April to mm -hmm. finish up the season. So I was like, okay, that's cool. So I was sitting on my bed and then all of a sudden uh, my teammates were in our group chat and they were talking about some articles. So I clicked on the link to the article and I got Google Translate up and it said that they were going to close the Czech borders for nobody could go in or out for... Uh, like a month or so. Oh and I was like, okay. I was like, <laughs> I text my coach. I text my coach. I go, hey, coach, I know like there's a meeting on Monday, but they said the, the borders are going to close Sunday night. So like, I won't be able to go home. Like, what should I do? And he's like, oh, well, let's just wait till Monday and see if the league is going to resume or not. And I was like, hmm, that's strange because... <laughs> 
I, I know my contract's up in May, so that re like legally they don't have to pay for my apartment or anything uh -huh. after after May. So I'm like, if the if all this stuff gets extended through May, it's like then I'm stuck over there with no like no apartment realistically, unless I want to start paying for all that stuff on my own. So I was like, okay, coach, like I don't know if this is a great idea to have me here. So he's like, okay, I'll talk to the manager and see what he wants to do. So luckily, I, we had a really awesome manager. He was okay. a really good guy. He really cared about all of his players. He was really well known and really well respected throughout the Czech Republic. So it was, I was really lucky to have him. And he was like, yeah, let's just send all of our foreign players home. And if the league starts back up, we'll pay for you to come back. So oh, that's awesome. that, that Saturday night, I went online and booked a ticket. And uh, Sunday, I was on a flight home. And it was crazy trying to get home. It was such a long, crazy... I almost got stuck in the Czech Republic because they canceled my flight. But luckily, they found me a flight home and I was able to get home. And they had the meeting and they decided to uh, end the league officially for the season. So that was kind of a bummer to kind of have my first season kind of cut short. But I definitely am glad that I was able to be home, at least be stuck with my parents versus being stuck in a uh, foreign yeah. country oh, while this was all going on. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, Zach, thank you very much for all the information. It's going to be very valuable, you being the first one. So thank you very much, yeah, Zach. Appreciate you. it. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thanks for everything that you're doing. Uh, I really love your whole concept for your podcast, and I hope it really takes off. And I wish you uh, a lot of success, man. Thank you very much. See you. Playing international professional sports at school for a variety of reasons. One, you're playing the sport that you love. You're being able to continue that outside of college and after college. And the other thing is that you're able to travel and you're you're paid to travel. You're getting paid to travel, to travel the world, experience other opportunities, different cultures while playing your sport. Now, it is professional. You are, you have to, it, it's a job. We've talked about this in other episodes. So you can't get lost in the shuffle. You can't be doing things you're not supposed to. You need to remember that you can be kicked out just as fast as you were brought in and some situations more than others. But definitely, even if maybe let's, this is going off on a tangent a bit, but even if it's a contract that you can't get out of or they can't just drop you for no reason, they certainly won't bring you back. So maybe you can have one crazy year, but then you're done. So what I'm saying is this is you get a chance to travel, but it is professional. So you got to make sure you're making the right decisions and making sure you're acting professionally. But the other side of that coin is you're getting paid to travel, which is which is really cool, especially those that have maybe a situation in life where they're able to a little bit more than others. Maybe they don't, you know, every anytime you add to the family structure, it, I'm sure it's harder to, to leave for longer periods of time to play sports. I don't think many would disagree with that but just at the base of it being paid to travel and play the sport that you love is an awesome idea and it's more at least in zach's case it's more than just getting paid to go to to go to the czech republic which in and of itself is awesome getting paid to go to czech republic getting paid to play volleyball like he loves but he's able to visit other countries throughout europe 
he's able to meet a bunch of different people, a bunch of different cultures. He's not just a tourist in the Czech Republic for a week. He's living there. He's truly experiencing it. I mean, even if you take, I don't know what a conservative amount of time in Europe is, 10 days, two weeks, whatever it is, you're still, you know, you're, you're moving around. You are on the clock. You have to go, 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 go to get where you need to be. But being an athlete in these areas, you're living there. You are experiencing it. And that's a different level of travel, which is so cool. In addition to that, at least in Zach's situation or the story he was telling, you might even be able to travel outside of where you are more. Remember, he was telling the story of one of his coaches who was, he'd go to somewhere every weekend. Every weekend, he'd go to a new place in Europe. I mean, one weekend, you could be visiting Germany. You know, another weekend, you're you're in Paris, and then maybe to London. That's awesome. That The idea of being able to do that is so cool, all the while getting paid to play the sport you love. That being said, that should be an even more, that should be even more motivation to make you work your absolute hardest, because you know that this may be fun this year, but if I don't earn it, I'm not coming back next year because they won't want to pay for me. This is a privilege to be out here and blessed to be out here and play and be able to travel, but I'm a professional. And if I don't earn this spot again, I'm not coming back here. And all this fun I had and all this travel I was able to experience could be gone just like that. It's depending on the sport, it could be year to year, many cases in the in the basketball interviews we've done it could be week to week or day to day um whether or not you know if you're going to be able to do this again and so it's so awesome that they get to travel it's so awesome that they get paid to do it but in the end you're a professional and you got to make sure you're earning that experience you're not owed that experience i mean legally you could say maybe through the contract but after that's done you're not owed the experience. You're not owed a paid trip to the Czech Republic and a contract playing the sport that you love. You're not owned that, owed that. You have to continue to earn it. And even when you're there, you have to continue to earn it because if nothing else, you're earning the opportunity to come back. I say that long-windedly because it is so cool that the athletes we talked with get to do this, get to travel, get to play, and are paid for it. And it was accentuated even more talking with Zach because he was talking about, you know, the coach he had that that would travel throughout Europe, which is just so cool. But in the end, we have to remember, at least athletes, you have to remember. And Chris Dalio, Coach Dalio talked about this. So if you haven't heard that interview, you definitely want to. He's the national basketball coach, men's basketball coach for Thailand and play or coaches professional basketball there as well. He, he talked about, it. he said, you know, some people come over here and they're excited and they live it up and don't realize that or forget that they are a professional. And just like that, it's gone. And I can't, I can't imagine how bad that stings to one day you're getting paid to play the sport that you love in a, in a new country, new culture, everything like that. And then the next thing you know, you're getting sent home because you weren't following team rules or hopefully not. You, you got arrested for something because you were just not taking it seriously. It's a dream for many people, but it's a profession for everybody. You might be living your dream, but you're working a professional job. And I think Zach definitely showed that that he understands that. And I, most of my guests have, if not all of them, probably all of them. Zach definitely showed that he understands that. Talking about getting ready for next year and already having his eyes set on the prize and understanding that maybe that ladder of leagues and opportunities of where he wants to get. That's understanding that this is a career and this is what you need to do. I talked about in during that interview that I had no idea about professional volleyball. I'm at the point now working with Global Ball and that I just assume there's something out there somewhere for it, but I just don't know the specifics. And men's volleyball was one of them. I, is, I actually, to be honest, I knew there was out there, but I didn't know where for the most part. I didn't know. I certainly didn't know what the big leagues were. I didn't know what it looked like to play there. But I think a lot of that is regional. The United States is a massive country and life 
in Michigan could be very different from life in California or Arizona in a, in a variety of different reasons, one of which could be the popularity of certain sports. We do not have men's volleyball teams. I don't know if I can say that for the whole state. I don't remember. But every one near me, there was no professional or there was no high school men's volleyball team. But there certainly was no beach volleyball. And so sometimes when you're in that area, you think, well, there's just no high school men's volleyball. And that's not true, obviously. Zach proved that differently. So what I'm saying is if you're in a region where something's not popular, okay, maybe you're interested in a certain sport, but it's the opportunities aren't around you. That doesn't mean the opportunities don't exist, okay? Professional volleyball for men and women is not overwhelming in the United States. That does not mean it doesn't exist, like Zach talked about. So Zach uh, did a great job. I love that. Gave us really good insight on a completely different, a completely different sport and and region. So thank you, Zach, for all of that. Thank you, you listeners, for all your support and continuing to listen and support us. Uh, we appreciate it. And you'll hear again from us next week. Thank you all for making it through another episode. A couple things I got a quick run through and then we'll be done. Uh, first, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on our different key platforms. Uh, first, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin. Also, Instagram uh, at globallyballinofficial and then Twitter at globallyballin. The Instagram and Twitter are by far our most active and they're also very different content. They're actually run by different people. So go ahead and make sure you're following both of those and they'll also both alert you for when something new is posted either in the podcast or Patreon, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. Also, um, when it comes to the Facebook account, the Facebook account seems um, less active and we're aware of that. It's different kind of content and more is coming to the Facebook page. So you'll want to like it to make sure you're ready when a new wave of different content, which is coming soon, starts to make its way on there, which is exciting. Uh, finally, though, is the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and then you search globally ball and you're going to find our account $3 a month. And with that, you're going to get a, a couple of things. First, shout out to all the supporters, which is great, which is actually also really good for any of you athletes out there. It's a great way to get your name, your brand, your place where people can find your highlight tapes, all that stuff. That'll be plugged in our episodes, which is great. So if you become a patron um, for the $3 a month, you'll get that. In addition, though, what we're really kind of excited about, not that we're not excited about the other one, is that you're going to get a bunch of extra content. It's going to be different from when I originally recorded this to when you're listening to this now. We're going to keep adding to it. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff. It might just be extra stuff that didn't fit into an episode. And there's also a whole new um, different kind of content called Candid Conversations, which is basically a whole new show that we started. As the name suggests, it's a conversation between me and somebody else. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit into an episode. And if you go check out one of those Candid Conversations, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that $3 a month, you're going to get your shout out and your... Um, your help to support your brand or get attention to your highlight reel or whatever, plus a lot of extra detailed, fun content in addition to this free podcast. So go and check that out. Refresher, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin, Instagram at globallyballinofficial, Twitter at globallyballin, and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash, or patreon.com search Globally Ballin, and you'll find, do the $3 a month patron if you're interested and get all new content, a bunch of additional content. Uh, if that's not for you, totally fine. We still really appreciate you supporting and listening. 
Uh, if you have any suggestions, make sure you send us a message. Again, because we're most active on Instagram and Twitter, that's the best way to send us a suggestion. We'd be happy to listen and, um, and try to get anybody in that area and that sport, that country, that topic that'll help you best. So make sure you send us one of those requests. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. You'll hear from us again uh, next week.